We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Jess, it's happening. Whoa, Tina, what are you doing in my car? Space is here now. No closet will be left behind. Did you say closet? Yes, the Container Store custom closets are up to 25% off. It doesn't matter the size or shape. Space is coming to them all. You're not serious. Space isn't a joke, Jess. How long do we have? Through October 13th. All right, buckle up. The Container Store Custom Closet Sale is here with up to 25% off all systems, including Alpha. The Container Store, where space comes from. Hello everyone, you're listening to the Rotoviz Baseball Series. I'm your host, Colm Kelly. You can find me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And today I'm delighted, I must say I am really delighted because with my podcast, the Overtime Ireland podcast, and with a lot of different shows, I've tried to tried to get this lady on, on my podcast. But timing-wise, it just has never really worked out. So we've made it all sync up here, recording this one now, just the week prior to the Super Bowl. So it should be a fun one to record. And I'm joined by Jen Ryan. You can find her on Twitter at FFDegenerate. You can also find her writing on Football Diet diehards.com and you often hear her on Sirius XM Radio on the Football Diehard Show. So, uh, Jen, it's been a long time coming, but uh, thanks for joining me on the show. Are you kidding? Thanks for having me. I'm, I've, <laughs> I mentioned earlier, I'm so happy to finally get a chance to talk to you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, been a long time coming. We've been interacting on Twitter for a long, long time. So it's always cool when you can get uh, to make that, uh, you know, more personal contact with the, the voice and uh, just get more information from people that you're big fans of. So it's great to have you here on Rotoviz Radio on the Best Ball Show. And, you know, we're looking for the best minds in the industry in terms of best ball. We've had a great lineup on so far. We have more great guests to come. But uh, I just thought that uh, I would reach out to you. I thought that uh, just based on uh, how you've been uh, involved in that community, that it was a perfect opportunity. So I guess the first question I'll have for you is, you know, 2017, seen you, as I mentioned, a lot involved in the best ball community, lots of leagues. You did hit 72 public leagues, you told me before we started, and you had a 
handful of private ones slotted in there too. I think I might have been in a few leagues with you, but uh, you know I was down at the bottom of those <laughs> standings uh, in them. So we'll keep those ones uh, out of this show for for now. But uh, was that something that you planned to do? Have so many leagues last year? You know, hitting on uh, you know probably uh, did you finish with over seventy five? Yeah, I, I finished with over seventy five, but I I actually came up short. My goal was a hundred leagues. I. I did a hundred leagues two years ago and it's just, it's just a number that I love for some reason when it comes to best ball. I just, it feels like it's like a personal benchmark. (laughs) Yeah. And and it's like when I hit the hundred, I'm like, all right, finally, like I fulfilled my, my best ball addiction, but I had started a job uh, in May and it kind of took up some, some of my free time. So, you know, I, I I didn't get a chance to, to hit those hundred, but I am, I'm committed for 2018. I will I will be back up on that leaderboard. Yeah, it's going to be interesting for me in 2018 because, uh, as a lot of people know, some of the, the best ball companies have changed ownership over the last couple of months. So uh, at the moment, uh, Ireland has been ruled out as a possibility to, to play in those leagues in uh, 2018. So I might have to find some way to go around it, but uh, I have uh, another couple of weeks to figure out how I'm going to do that. You mentioned 100 leagues. I finished last year with 25. So, uh, you know, I, I didn't really... I thought that was pretty good. It was a nice round number 25, but I, I didn't have the aspirations to get all the way up to 100 but uh, an incredible amount of leagues and uh, maybe you'll have guest listeners but on today's show we are going to be talking about volume drafting and obviously Jen is uh, perfect to talk about that with that amount of leagues drafted last year and of course she says that she's going to draft more this year so more volume drafting coming her way so some of our listeners uh, mightn't have played much best ball might never have played but are interested in getting started some of them then might be playing a long time but are just looking for some more information but if you're coming along from a redraft league and there's, you know, wanting to dip your toes into another format, what do you think is the, the biggest difference from uh, how you approach, you know, a standard uh, redraft league and season long versus how you approach your uh, best ball draft strategy? Well, uh, you know, of course, the one thing is you have guys like the Deshaun Jacksons and the Ted Ginns of the world who suddenly become much more valuable in best ball than they would in a redraft league. They are such a pain to try to figure out when they're going to have you know, the the three catch for 100 yards in a touchdown week. It's it's nearly impossible to peg it sometimes. So when you have these guys in best ball and you're not setting the lineup, you get the advantage of having those big weeks on your team without making the decision and watching them, you know, blow up on your bench. I think that's the worst part of uh, of season long is watching your bench put up a ton of points. So that's really what's what's the best and uh, the, the the biggest difference, I guess, in terms of approach, you're going to guys who you may stay away from in redraft because they sort of drive you nuts in that sense. You're really going to go after them in best ball. Yeah, I feel the same way. And is there any real player? I think when people talk best ball, the first player usually comes out of people's mouth is Deshaun Jackson. You know, the highs are so high, but the lows are so low. Uh, is there anybody that I know you mentioned Ginn as well? Is Deshaun Jackson the poster boy for best ball leagues? <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean he has to be. It's like you know you can you can think of a bunch of players off the top of your head, but it's just Deshaun Jackson. It's just the Deshaun Jackson type player is is what you're looking for. And you know, same could be said for for running backs in a sense. Maybe like the goal line vultures. So prior to the, the Dalvin Cook injury, I would say Latavius Murray is one of those guys. He was one of those guys I was drafted a little bit because I thought maybe he'd get the goal line work. Now again, in redraft, you probably can't stand that type of player, but in best ball. Uh, touchdown vultures, you know, they, they tend to work out. 
Yeah, another part I find interesting is, you know, the, those guys that you're drafting in those later rounds, the 18th, 19th, 20th round off drafts, uh, and you're looking at it. I had a lot of Robbie Anderson last year. So a player like that who maybe those first couple of weeks of the season that you think might do well, but you're not going to put him into your season-long lineup because of who you've drafted prioritizing those early round positions at the wide receiver position, then you have the opportunity to see how they work out. So it's always interesting. A lot of the leagues then, we'll talk about in a moment, probably won by uh, those guys at the bottom of the roster hitting really, really big. So do you, do you prioritize a certain type of player? Player? you know uh, are you more into the going for wide receivers or running backs are you a zero rb candidate how are you how are you looking at your rosters as you develop from the, the start of the draft it, it tends to unfold if, if you look at most of my teams it, it sort of looks like a zero rb team but it's it's never really intentional i just sort of prioritize targets over anything else and receivers tend to get those targets so you know, my teams are definitely going to, for the most part, I would say, have more wide receivers than running backs. I always I always load up on the position a little bit more. It's just, again, it's it's targets. It's it's what I chase. And, you know, I look for those guys who maybe they're not the best receiver, but they have a high target floor over a few seasons. And this year, that was Robert Woods. Uh, he, he was just a guy, you know, consistently had five, six targets a game and worked out pretty well as a late round pick. Yeah, I, I liked Robert Woods really uh, in DFS this season, but I have to say you were on the right track with Robert Woods. The guy from uh, last year's LA Rams team that I was looking into a lot <laughs> was uh, a man that ended up in Cleveland and uh, you know the, maybe the less talked about that uh, with Kenny Britt the better. He actually, well, maybe Kenny Britt might be uh, getting himself another Lombardi <laughs> or not another one, but he's up in New England maybe gets himself a ring this year. So mightn't work out too bad for him, but did not work out well for my best ball lineups. Uh, do you go, I, I mentioned already zero RB, zero wide receiver. You kind of hit on it that you, you like to it tends to go zero RB. We like that here at Rotoviz, but uh, overall uh, drafting strategy, is there any other keys to what you decide to do? I mean, because I do so many, uh, a, a lot of these sort of, I, I hate to sound cliche, but the draft sort of comes to you. So I, I do try to be flexible, uh, especially, again, just because of the, the amount of leagues I draft in. The the one thing that I, I do try to do, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if you can necessarily call it a strategy, but... I do try to take the best player available, at least in the first, I'd say, six rounds, regardless of, of you know, roster construction in mind. I, I My first few picks, I just want to get the best guys that are there. Yeah, my favorite thing always when I'm talking about, uh, you know, what strategy that you're going to use, just draft the best player available. It's very easy. Draft whoever gets the most points at the end of the season. <laughs> That's usually the exactly. best Exactly. <laughs> See, tough. you should you should play more. You'll profit with that. Yeah, it's, ver- it's very hard to know when you're drafting in, uh, you know, late February, early March, when you're, you know, you're, you're FF degenerate, when we're all being real big uh, fantasy football degenerates at that time of the year, when we're drafting teams before we even know what way things are going to shake out, sometimes even where players are going to be drafted. So it, it makes it a lot of fun. Just uh, very, very interesting to look through it uh, something you know when you're drafting uh, we see a lot of people when you're drafting leagues and I, I think it's a poor form of etiquette but obviously we have the draft clocks and we're we're drafting them eight hour clocks do you uh, you know tend to set those though your picks uh, far in advance in terms of you mentioned in the first six rounds picking the best player available do you uh, tend to have a you know a lineup where you're having that ADP or having those set maybe five or six guys ahead to, to pick that guy you want to, in, in your lineup I mean, if, if we're talking about pre-draft income, it's it's something I'm not good at, and it's something I absolutely need to improve upon. Um, so I, I really should get in the habit more of pre-drafting after after those big rounds, because again, with the clock, sometimes you just miss a pick, and there's nothing worse than than timing out. Oh, yeah. um, tell, tell me about it. <laughs> it's embarrassing. It's really, it's embarrassing. I mean, I was just recently looking over 
uh, some of my teams and then, you know, the teams that I did well. And, and, you know, of course, looking at some of my 12th place teams and it's a lot of auto picks on those 12th place teams. And, you know, in reality, it's just a waste of money. So something, something I'm also committing to this year is getting in the habit of pre-drafting. It's, it's not something I like to do. I, I like to take a look at all the players before I make a pick, but it's, it's costing me money. So it's something I'm definitely going to be doing this season. I find it interesting when you're at the, you know, the, either the start of the round or the end of the round. When you're at a turn, I tend to only pre-draft that first pick because, you know, if you if you need a, a wide receiver, sometimes you don't want those two wide receivers to come onto the roster at the same time. You might need a right wide receiver and a running back. So I tend to pre-draft the first one, leave it then for the second one. And at the turn, even from the 10th pick onwards, it's kind of that there falls. And if you're in the middle of the round, you make it away with it. I had a few timeouts, obviously, being over in Ireland that doesn't have the same, uh, you know, as uh, the Eastern Standard Time clock that tends to run on a lot of the major websites. So when uh, I had a few, and uh, I remember, I think it might have been the, maybe the fifth round or the fourth round, Corey Coleman's ADP was climbing up, and somehow I ended up with him on a, a couple of rosters with the timeouts, and that obviously wasn't <laughs> one that worked out well for us. But obviously we're up here on Rotoviz Radio, and there's a lot of great content at the moment going up on rotoviz.com. And with listening to Rotoviz Radio, you're able to get yourself a 30% discount off a of Rotoviz NFL pass right now. All you have to do is go to the NFL podcast homepage, which is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Your subscription will give you unlimited access to all our NFL content and tools, and best of all, it helps support the pod. So be sure to get your 30% discount now for rotaviz.com just by going to that simple link, rotaviz.com forward slash podcast. It is the off-season. I know uh, you know things might be quieting down for some people, but if you're like Jen, if you're like myself, it really never ends. You're always looking for something else to uh, draft or play in, whether it's Dynasty, whether it's baseball. So get on over there, get that 30% discount through the end of the upcoming season. I know I say the upcoming season, the season is. Uh, barely over and we're already talking about the next one so that's the way we go here I also want to tell you about mybookie.ag. They are the number one rated online sportsbook and they are the official sportsbook of Rotoviz Radio. The fantasy season is over, but there is no need for your NFL knowledge and your sporting knowledge uh, to not be able to cash you in and win some prizes. Of course, mybookie.ag can help you with that. There's odds on pretty much everything this weekend. Great live betting options and an all-new prop builder. You can pretty much create your own bet slips no matter what you want. Think something's going to happen in the game this weekend. Put that down in mybookie.ag and you can get a line on it. So have some fun with what your predictions are. Put your money where your mouth is. If you sign up with the code RV Radio, they will match your first deposit with up to a 50% bonus. So as simple as that, 50% for just signing up using our code RV Radio. They have been with us throughout the season. They're with us again for the Super Bowl. The official sports book, as I mentioned, off Rotoviz Radio and a fantastic uh, just quick payouts, no hassle, easy. Get your money on, get your win, and then just keep going from there. It is mybookie.ag, the promo code again, RV Radio. So if you're looking at, uh, you know, uh, the outcomes of the season, um, some players obviously would have been highly on for you and had huge success, some maybe not so much. Who were your highest owned players, uh, you know, during the season uh, with those drafts? And then uh, why, what was your process in selecting them, you know, over and over again in your in your lineups? So my two highest players overall were LeGarrette Blunt and Ty Montgomery, neither of which worked out very well for me. But I, I think the process behind it, or at least I still tell myself, was was correct. I mean, my whole theory with Blunt was if he even had 50% of his 2016 production, he was going to be a hit at, at his ADP because his ADP was so low. And I figured, all right, let's say even if he cuts it in half in Philadelphia, he's still going to work out where I was drafting him. Uh, but he did not work out. So <laughs> so I was wrong there. And then Ty Montgomery was a guy I was just so high on coming into the season. I just I love the offense, Green Bay Packers, 
high octane. Um, he was a true, you know, dual threat, um, you know, receiver converted to running back. And I, he was just like an ideal player for me. And I, I had a ton of exposure to him. And, you know, I think if he was healthy, might have worked out. But, you know, well, I guess I'll never know at this point. And then, of course, Latavius Murray, he was he was another guy I just kept drafting because he was so cheap and, you know, only worked out because of an injury. So I can't really claim anything there. And then Jarvis Landry, my highest on receiver, he's somebody that, I don't know, I just feel like you're able to get him as your wide receiver three, four, four sometimes. People just tend to not really show him sort of the fantasy respect that he deserves, and uh, and and he worked out nicely. Yeah, he's always, in, in PPR leagues in particular, he's always a, a solid value there. It'll be interesting to see what happens with him this year with his contract situation in Miami. I think probably for his value, it's better if he stays with uh, the Dolphins just in the way he's been used. Sometimes when these players move uh, on in the offseason, you think that we're going to get a, a huge spike in target or a huge spike in volume. But when you look at Landry and what he's been able to do since he came into the league, I think uh, staying with the Dolphins is probably his uh, ceiling in terms of uh, targets and usage. So we'll see what happens there. From a, a strategy perspective, are there any areas that you think uh, the best ball community is kind of overemphasizing, um, you know, that people are putting too much impact onto certain things that you think that, you know, you kind of try and take advantage of that? I mean, in, I don't I don't know that we're over uh, emphasizing. I, I just think that there is so much content right now and there's so much data, which is which is great. That's my favorite part of this. Um, you know, especially guys like ADHD Josh and, uh, you know, Mike Beers, of course, they're like the two studs when it comes to this stuff. And they've done they've done so much great work on roster construction. And I feel like I found myself a little bit last year feeling a little bit constrained by it in a sense, like, um, you know, saying, you know, three defenses is, is part of like, you know, the uh, like one of the one of the top roster constructions you want to go for. And I found myself in the last round every now and then staring at a guy like Jermaine Curse and telling myself, no, I have to go get that third defense. So I, I think sometimes, I don't know if it's overemphasis necessarily, but I think when, you know, sometimes when I'm drafting, me personally, I catch myself uh, maybe overemphasizing a little bit. Um, not not something I try to do, but it, it just happens sometimes. But I, I can't really say. I mean, you, I'm, I'm an addict with, with this stuff. I'm not, I'm not necessarily an expert in my, in my <laughs> own opinion. Um, but that, that's all I'd really say, just with the amount of, uh, information we have now about the perfect lineup is, is, you know, and again, it's me. I find myself forcing myself to draft that perfect lineup sometimes you called uh, that you're an addict i'll call you an expert i'll be i'll be on the next <laughs> second the line there but you mentioned the three defenses that is obviously something that has been supported in terms of uh you know wins over uh, an extended period of time and that sample size has been there but like you i i find it in those later rounds i, I tend to be trying to slot in those uh, wide receivers that i think are running backs even that can be lottery tickets and help uh you know have a huge production over the season the d- thing with the defense is the defense can't get injured over the season if you draft two there has to be two in there the only thing can really slow you down is on the bye weeks you need to make sure they're not matched but the problem is that if somebody else's defense is scoring 14 points and yours is scoring you know one point in that week obviously over the season that there averages out to be quite a considerable difference so it's just uh you know the opportunity to have those extra defenses but i always think of the, the injury value at the running back position and the wide receiver position uh the three defenses is always like you mentioned it's a tough one for me but uh, i think a lot of people uh, do go that way uh, when you look then your biggest miss of the season maybe you touched on them already uh those one guy there that you touched on and that uh, committee backfield and the committee backfields go one way or the other and uh, my biggest miss this year was a running back uh, Spencer Ware injury related I may add but uh, I had him in uh, you know about 50% of my lineup so that really killed me to start very early on but who was your biggest miss of the 2017 season? 
Well, aside from the guys I, I previously mentioned, and I'll stop mentioning them because I'm 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 sick of hearing their names at this point. Um, Jordan Matthews, he was, uh, yeah, Legarrette Blunt. I mean, you know, again, I thought he was that goal line guy, and he just he destroyed me. But uh, but yeah, Jordan Matthews was another guy. I had him 18 percent of my teams, and I just thought he was like going to be the guy. In you know, in Buffalo, and uh, especially after the trade, and it just didn't work out. I feel like I'm off Jordan Matthews. I'm officially done with him. I've been chasing, I've been chasing production of past production for two years now, and uh, it's 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 just not coming to fruition. So Jordan Matthews, big big miss for me uh, in 2017. I'm probably going to still slot in there on the you know the buy low radar there for Jordan Matthews this upcoming season. He's somebody like you mentioned. I've been in a lot of dynasty leagues, so I'm still fighting on trying to hold out hope, but. We'll see what happens there. But it was a very strange season for Buffalo making the playoffs after we thought they all pretty much had packed it in early in the, earlier in the preseason. You know, the situation with Anquan Bolden signed there for a while. So there's just a, a really strange season around Buffalo. So maybe Jordan Matthews can bounce back. Uh, you know, Kelvin Benjamin's up there too. We'll see We'll see what happens with him. Uh, maybe we'll uh, be one of our biggest hits for, for 2018. Uh, are there any other things, uh, you know, you think um, we mentioned kind of that are, the basketball community are overemphasizing? Is there anything that you think uh, we should be paying more attention to that we aren't paying enough attention to? Absolutely. And I, I think it's your own gut. Um, I, I think people need to start listening to themselves a, a little bit, too. I mean, just again, with the the amount of content and data that is out there for best ball right now, there's there's so much and it's so good. But I think sometimes step back and don't forget what made you profitable to begin with. I mean, if you're drafting best ball teams in February and March, that's because you love fantasy football and you're probably pretty good at it. So, you know, don't forget that aspect of it. Um, you know, even right now, if you're, if you're listening to this podcast, you're you're someone who's probably good at fantasy football. So just just, you know, absorb all the all the content, read as much as you can. Uh, but, you know, tr- trust yourself, too. I mean, and especially don't overexpose yourself um, just because, you know, some of our our mutual fantasy friends, you know, become really high on a player. I, I think that snowballed a little bit with Kenny Britt this year. And and we mentioned him earlier. I mean, I was all over him too. And it, it just took a couple sharp people to say, you know, Kenny, Kenny Britt's upside in, in, uh, in the new offense. And I bought into it way too hard. Uh, I, I don't want to say anything, but very, very early last off season prior to pretty much uh, anyone been on, on him too much. Those guys like, you know, I talked with uh, Matt Kelly of, uh, you know, Fantasy Mansion on Twitter and we'd done a couple of shows together and we kind of did uh, hype him up. We hyped Rex Burkhead up a lot. And, yeah. uh, I don't know. Uh, we just uh, got that thing going a little bit. I don't want to take uh, any credit for it personally, but I, I had him on my rosters to show for it. So I, I always say, I get, you know, sometimes I tweet out people, uh, you know, start set questions on a Sunday who they want to start and maybe they send three or four players and I'll, I'll send my opinion back and then they'll say well I like this guy more and I say well go with that guy because at the end of the day it's their fantasy team it's not my fantasy team and I think you're kind of hinting at the same thing there you need to have the players that you want rather than the, the players that Colm or Jen tell you have on your roster exactly yeah that's uh, it's a very good point I do agree with you there uh, one other thing I want to ask you about is uh, it's a pretty popular question for people starting out and even people who've been playing a long time you know I, I hope this shows catering to both those needs you know whether you're playing a long time or whether it's a first time out for you heading into 2018 is how much you worry about exposure to certain players do you have a kind of percentage that you like to stay around or are you concerned about you know going over 50% over 25% what do you tend to go with I, I have been in the case where you have a player you've drafted 20 teams you have them on eight lineups and you're kind of starting to think then the next time it comes to that draft he's fallen to you but you think maybe i'll just go for somebody else this time 
Absolutely. Um, so I personally try not to go above 25, you know, sometimes 30%, depending upon how I feel about a player. But again, that's that's just because I play in so many leagues. If I was playing in five or 10 leagues, I'd go all in on players because, you know, I it's best ball. You either want first place or, you know, last place. It doesn't matter at that point if you're not winning. So if I were doing a small amount of uh, leagues, I'm, I really wouldn't be too concerned with it. And I, I know that might not be the popular uh, answer, but that's, that's just my me personally. But because of the amount of leagues I do, I try to spread it out and I, I try not to be overexposed to someone. And I will, you know, I will track it. I, I use the, the Rotoviz app and I do like to pay attention to my player exposure and it does affect how I'm drafting. If I'm, if early on, if I have, you know, uh, 50% of a player uh, to start out with, I'm probably going to back off on him a little bit if I see him come to me in a round and uh, look past him for someone else. Yeah, and how do you deal with that in a situation where you know you have uh, say drafted somebody in the maybe the fifth round uh, early on, and then you know as the draft or as the season goes on in terms of us drafting an ADP, but maybe OTA start, maybe something else starts then as we get into preseason, and the player starts to drop down to maybe the eighth round from the fifth round. Do you find it very very hard at that point to, to pass them up again, or you know how how do you deal with just going with your gut? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I I do find it hard to pass up on them, and it kind of for it. Me personally, I I remember where I got these players originally. So like Thomas Rawls is an example I could use. You know, uh, early on last year, uh, I was taking him in the fifth, sixth round, and then I stopped, just completely stopped drafting him because I was way overexposed. Then he started popping up in the fifteenth round, the sixteenth round, towards the end of the summer, and I found myself drafting him again. And you know, it's it's I don't know if it's buyer's remorse because of the price I originally paid, but it's it it's certainly you know ADP rising and falling. I think certainly has an, has an effect on how how I draft. Yeah, I think sometimes too it can be the opposite effect that if you liked somebody and they were in the you know the tenth round and suddenly they're up to the sixth round, sometimes we dive in too deep because we might have that uh, pre-existing feelings about that player. It's very very important I think when you're drafting whether it's season long or redraft leagues or whether it's dynasty to to try and uh, that's what I think we try and do here at Roto is keep your actual uh, opinion out of it. Try and go with the data and uh, see if that backs it up, and then go with the the value in that situation. And that can be hard. It can be really hard at times when you're drafting teams and uh, particularly if it's a player that you're very very strong and in one format or the other and it can kind of start to breed into each and every league we see it every year with rookies the people that when once the dynasty players start coming into to play in basketball leagues we see rookies skyrocket up the the draft boards and so on so things like that uh, can be can be hard to keep keep apart but when you're looking at diversification uh, how do you think most people in the basketball community deal with the exposure and diversification you've mentioned kind of the way that you try and do it but uh, how do you think that the majority the overwhelming majority deal with it I, I think they track it. I think people, people, you know, especially people who draft in volume or who take it remotely seriously. I mean, you see a lot of people, especially talk on Twitter about their their per player percentages, their ownership percentages, and it's cool to see so many people who who get better and better at Excel every year and sort of come up with their own ways uh, uh, to track their players. And again, the 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 Rotoviz Best Ball app. I feel like, I mean. I have no data to back this up, but I feel like that's got to be one of your guys' most popular apps. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to draft without it, to be honest with you. It is a, it's a real key when you're drafting in basketball, and a lot of the apps I mentioned already, the subscription, the 30% off up on the site, that gets you access to all those apps, which are uh, just fantastic, whether you're playing in basketball, whether you're playing season long. It's just a, a great, great help to all of that so it's uh, you know we're, we're going through the different topics and i've mentioned diversifying a couple of different times but are you worried at all about over diversifying either yourself or your opponents you know that the 
people will start to just spread it out too much and not try to get a, a strong read on certain players? No, I mean, that's not something I really worry about, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm conscious of my ownership. Uh, I'm certainly not restricted by it. And I try not to worry about what other people are doing when it when it when it comes to best ball. I try to just sort of focus, focus in on what I'm doing. Um, I pay attention to what others are doing. I uh, I try to decline these uh, private league invites every now and then because it's they're so sharp in these private leagues and it's you know but uh, but I typically just sort of pay attention to what I'm doing and I'm not really worried about over diversifying and again I think it's just because I play in so many leagues that I, I wouldn't even know where to draw the line between over diversifying and not diversifying enough. Yeah, when you're playing in those uh, private leagues, you know, somebody sends you a DM on Twitter, are you interested in this? And you're like, yeah, and then you log in and you see that it's guys like you, Jen, that are in it, you know, TJ Hernandez, Evan Silva, Chris Raybon, all these guys are in it, and you're like, oh, well, this uh, this money's probably disappearing out of my account forever. <laughs> Just, exactly. <laughs> so uh, it can be very, very tough, but they're a lot of fun playing against those guys and drafting along with them and the, the Twitter conversation that goes on. Uh, w- w- you know, I mentioned earlier, what was your best or worst call of the season? I'm going to let you have a proud moment for yourself now. What was your best call of the season? Uh, Robert Woods, but I mean, I don't think that was just my best call. I think uh, I think a lot of people were sort of um, were sort of on Robert Woods. I mean, they weren't on him in the sense that, you know, again, we were all on Kenny Britt, but uh, but he he was just someone I, I loved everything about him. Again, I mentioned earlier he's he's av- he has a sustained average over multiple seasons of a high target floor. He was a former, I think, second round pick you know, high draft pedigree, moving into a new offense. Um, I just, I loved everything about it. And, and it worked out nicely, uh, especially in best ball, uh, because even with the injuries, you know, we were able to kind of ride through it be- because, you know, you're not setting your lineup every week. It's not like you had to stash them on your bench like you would have had to in a season long league. Yeah, Woods was one of those. There was a, you know, a kind of, I wouldn't call it a silent drumbeat, but there was, I don't, you know, players like Woods, you know, really overtook it in terms of the hype. There was a lot of players that you see that real skyrocketing ADP. I think Woods, people were talking about him, people were drafting him, but I think uh, if you look at the majority of teams, uh, you know, it was a, it was a great call to go with Robert Woods. So don't be too, don't be uh, taking away any credit from yourself, Jen. Uh, great call <laughs> to go with the, well, Bobby Woods, we'll call him. Uh, so suppose you could go back in time, you know, right before you started playing best ball, never played at best ball in your life, you're still playing redraft. And uh, what would be the best piece of advice you think you could give your non-playing self if you had to pick one piece? I'll try not to get on a soapbox about this because I feel like I'm the only person who feels this way. But I would say, and I'm just putting myself in the in the shoes of when when I first started. So I first started playing best ball because I followed so many analysts on Twitter, and I would see them, you know, shout out or or what have you their picks. I would see, you know, made my fantasy league pick, and I was like, what is that? I have to, you know, find out more about this. And I feel like the the auto tweeting of the picks was super helpful for me it's how i got into it and it sparked up so many conversations with with people much smarter than me early on and you know you get these people who they they kind of cry a little bit about oh you're flooding my timeline with your picks um I, i i say ignore that get in there don't be shy you know um reach out to the people's like you know JJ Zacharyson and, and, you know, the road of his guys. Like I, I just remember early on, just like Evan Silva asking them questions because I would notice that I was in a best ball draft with them and I would see a pick that they made and a pick that I made on Twitter and it started a conversation and it made me smarter. Um, 
So that's what I would say. You know, do you have fun? The 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 auto tweets, they're an opportunity really to engage in these conversations and and really just don't be shy. Uh it, this fantasy football, the community of people, they're just so nice and and they're so willing to 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 give advice. So if you're getting into it and you're not really sure too much about it, talk to people. That 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 would be my biggest piece of advice. No, I agree, and I always agree on the, the comment of people saying, oh, you're flooding my timeline. A lot of the time, I leave my notifications up, and then every so often, I open up the timeline and see what's happening, but I don't stay in the timeline all the time, so I never worry too much about the timeline being flooded. If people are willing to give, message you about a pick or something like that, you know, just engage in it. Uh, you mentioned the community. The fantasy football community is uh, as good as any. You know, we see on Twitter all the, the hate mail and that, or the hate tweets that go around, but I find the, the community is very, very good. There is a few in there that do it from time to time, but uh, I tend to have those blocked on uh, my account, so. <laughs> don't worry too much about those but a lot of the people like Jen you know if you tweet it send them a tweet everyone gets involved even up all the way up to you mentioned Evan Silva guys like Rumford Johnny there's so many good guys all the way around the community that'll uh, be willing to, to give you some advice if you want to head out and you mentioned as well I think that's no matter what type of fantasy you play about asking people that's what I loved in podcasts I ask people questions they might say something that I don't agree with but then I go off the show I look it up I dig a little bit deeper into it sometimes I'll stick with my original opinion sometimes I'll move more to their side so it's always is uh, very very important to try and learn every single time every single season and even every single draft so very very important what would you say in terms of uh, if you were talking to a person who maybe played baseball last year or the year before and wasn't successful maybe they're thinking you know i, I didn't make any money but I, I think i was pretty close i finished maybe third or fourth in a lot of leagues i was very very close to making some serious money uh, what if i want to get more serious what's the best way a person can improve that baseball game I would say read more, listen to more podcasts. Uh, again, there is so much fantastic data and content uh, specific to best ball. And there's just so many smart people and the content just keeps getting better. So just just absorb as much as you can. I mean, it's it you learn it in kindergarten. You know, you, you get better by reading things. Um, and really, if you, you know, I don't know if this is the best advice, but I would say draft in more leagues. I mean, practice makes perfect. They're $10, most of these best pro leagues. And if you think about things that you might spend $10 on that you can maybe turn into 100 you know, there's not that many opportunities out there. It's a it's a high-variance sport. It's it's a crazy sport. Fluky things happen. So just, you know, throw, throw another 10 bucks on there and, and, and give yourself another chance. And, you know, hopefully you draft a couple teams that are winners. Yeah, and I think as well, if you're following guys like you mentioned earlier, like uh, Josh ADHD or Mike Beers on Twitter, and the information they give out regarding ADP and that, say if you draft in February, then you draft again in March and April, you'll start to see the trends and you'll start to be able to work on them season in, season out. It's like anything, the first time you try it, you mightn't be that good. You might have some beginner's luck, but you do need to, to work at it and get better each and every season, I, I think. That's something that, you, you know, you're not going to be instantly the best at it. You're playing against a lot of sharp people when you're in there in those leagues. Uh, you know, you mentioned as well, it's $10 a league for most of the leagues. Uh, you know, in terms of bankroll, you mentioned having an aim of 100 leagues for the season. Is that something that you consciously think about when you're heading in and out this stage? Some people jump in, you know, in February and next thing they'll have uh, 10 drafts done and they're thinking, well, that's 100 bucks already. And, you know, it starts to steamroll over the months and months and might build up to something that they weren't expecting to, to put in as their bankroll for it. How do you uh, judge that? Is that something you set? Is that something you just keep an eye on as it goes on and try to accumulate your drafts that way? No, I mean, I, I keep an eye on it. I also, um, you know, so like, like two years ago, I profited. So I left a little bit of money in my account because then in my mind, I was playing for free for a little bit, which obviously is not true, but you know, whatever. Last <laughs> year, didn't, 
Yeah, you know, it's if it if it's in there, then it's it's like I didn't really pay for it. And then last year didn't profit, so I had to throw my own money in. Profited this year, and then same thing. So I'll, I'll leave some money in there. So I have like a little bit of a cushion. I mean, look, I'm, I'm certainly not advocating that you play outside of your means. All I'm saying is, you know, maybe you had a good week at work. You got a little overtime or something. Maybe pump another hundred bucks into MFL just be because or, you know, any of the best ball sites only because, you know, it's like a scratch off sometimes. Uh, you, you know, you, you might have a big you might have a winner there. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that's the way I look at it. But it's important at the very start just to, to try and plan out a little bit ahead. It's the same with people who bet on sports for a living, whether it's, uh, you know, just betting on the lines or whatever you need to just have some sort of a bankroll control that you don't dive in too much the same with dfs and a lot of people have disposable income and you know if, you, if you're a disposable income playing fantasy football that's the way i look at it i, I have it kind of ta- tacked off that uh this money is likely going to be lost playing fantasy football but then if you can make a profit as you mentioned you have it then for the next season to, to have a little bit more fun that feels like you're playing for free but not really all the same <laughs> so 2018 has begun the the 2018 year but the 2018 season is nearly here in terms of us starting off our crazy adp search and drafting over and over again uh, what is your uh, approach for 2018 you mentioned you didn't hit 100 leagues last year do you think uh, 100 leagues is the mark this year I'm committed. I will hit it. Hold me to it. Yes. 100 leagues. At the, yes, absolutely. That's, that is really a, a big goal for me is, is to get back to, to, uh, to be in that volume drafter that I, uh, that I claim to be. Um, another thing, and, and I know we, we touched on it and, you know, it's silly, but it's serious in a sense too. I, I absolutely have to cut back on timing out. Uh, not only is it annoying to everybody who drafts with you that, you know, they're waiting all this time to draft and, you know, all for an auto pick, but it, it really can just totally tank a team. Uh, so it's it's embarrassing. Um, you're, you're hearing it first. I will not be timing out in uh, in, in best ball this year uh, again, just because it's it's such a waste of money. Um, so that and I really I want to become comfortable with pre-drafting. I mean, pre-drafting is there for a reason. Uh, it's just it's something I need to I need to force myself to do. I can't worry about missing out on a guy uh, because I didn't add him to my pre-draft list. Yeah, and I, I one other thing I mentioned the etiquette of drafting. When somebody is going more than the, the you know four four or five hours time, don't be sending messages on their Twitter. Don't be tweeting them telling them to hurry up and draft. Especially when it comes to the preseason, when injuries and things happen, some people do strategize at that point of the year to use the entire clock because things can happen so quickly. Players get cut, players get moved up depth charts. So I, I think it's important. We mentioned the fantasy community being full of nice people. Let's keep that going. Let's all be nice to each other in twenty eighteen. But with uh, with that, I think we have a lot of really really good information slotted in there jen uh, i think uh, it's been a fantastic time you know i mentioned it's a long time coming me and you getting on a podcast and talking together but uh, i'm glad we were able to do it uh, today so uh, i hope you enjoyed uh, jumping aboard the show it's been a, a fantastic one for me i absolutely did and and again thank you thank you so much for for having me i'm so glad uh, you know we finally got a chance to hook up so uh, as always you can follow me on twitter my name is colin kelly you can follow me at overtime ireland my guest as i mentioned was jen ryan she's on twitter at ff degenerate and uh, make sure you're following her there as well you get all the great work she's doing with football diehards we've been talking today pretty much about volume based drafting as well as uh, some other best ball strategy as well so hopefully you've enjoyed it make sure uh, you're back for the rest of the best ball series we continue through it and uh, as always it's been my pleasure Uh, thanks for tuning in 
Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Baseball Series. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio Podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcast app. You remember you can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com and as always, follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount to the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. This show is presented by SAP. Who am I and how am I feeling? I'm Clive Owen and I'm great, thanks. What if businesses could really understand how their customers feel? It's a thing. It's SAP Experience Management. For more, go to sap.com xm. Geico presents Yikes! Another voicemail from your roommate. Sup, roomie? Hey, a pipe burst in the basement. It's completely flooded. Anyway, I called for someone to fix it, but in the meantime, I was thinking we could finally have that indoor pool party we've always wanted. I got some cool swan floaty things already going. Could you pick up some chips on your way home? Later. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected. Like if your roommate isn't the brightest pool float in the flooded basement. Visit GEICO.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance. Sugar Ray Leonard. Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.